Welcome birders, this is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. My guest on this episode is Liam Hutchinson. Liam just finished his Washington Big Year last year, 2023, uh, a year in which he is a 15 and at the end of the year 16-year-old saw more species of birds in the state than any birder has managed previously. As I talked with Liam, about his year and his birding story, the thing that kept coming back to me was how many of the birders Liam mentioned had already been guests on the podcast. The birder that took Liam on his first CBC and opened his eyes to rare birds and the excitement of finding them was Bill White. He was my guest on episode number eight, way back in March of 2019. Among the things Bill talked about on that episode were Westport seabirds, the topography of the seafloor off the Washington coast, and the recovery of the short-tailed albatross, a bird that Liam found as one of the really good birds on one of his pelagic trips last year. Liam couldn't have had a better mentor to introduce him to birding than Bill. Liam also mentioned Shep Thorpe as a local birder who drove him on some trips to find specialty species, and Shep was my guest on the very next episode, number nine. Shep, in addition to being an extraordinarily talented birder, is one of the more active volunteer trip leaders for the Washington Ornithological Society and has recently been organizing frequent trips both in Washington and outside the United States. Ryan Rodriguez was a 12-year-old when I met him in McAllen, Texas in January of 2020 and was my guest along with his dad on episode number 47. Ryan is now guiding trips for Nature Ninja Birding Tours in South Texas along with Tiffany Kirsten, who was my guest in February of 2022 on episode number 122, right after finishing her record-breaking Lower 48 Big Year in 2021. I could go on with this list, but you get the idea. The birding community is highly interconnected, and the birders in general will step up and help each other when the opportunity arises. I'll put links to these episodes in the podcast notes. Enough said on that topic. Let's welcome Liam Hutchinson to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 168. Liam, you've uh, got to feel nice to just be sitting in a room talking to somebody instead of chasing a bird here. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's nice to not be in the car. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Liam, you uh, you just finished uh, a record-breaking uh, 2023 uh, Washington State big year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, it yeah. was quite something. It, it was, yeah, that's an understatement, quite something. Cool. Uh, anyway, you are a young guy. For a listener, I don't know, what are you, 16 now, I think, Liam? Yeah, 16. Um, turned 17 in about exactly six months. Or oh, not, not exactly six months, but pretty soon. 16, 16 and a half for, for the half-year counters. Cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what that means is that you were only driving for less than the second half of your big year or less than all of your big year for sure. That's correct. Yeah. I'd say probably just the last third or so was when I was actually driving. Yeah. So how on earth did you do a record-breaking big year in Washington without a driver's license? You had to have a lot of help. Yes. Yeah. I'm very grateful to my mother who has supported me through the whole thing. And I had a lot of friends that helped as well, but uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a challenge um, trying to get rides to a few places, um, especially on short notice, which is always sometimes necessary. That's the way it works on chases sometimes. Although in terms of chasing birds, you, I mean, every, every birder chases birds who wants to get a big list, but you found a lot of birds this year. I mean, it was kind of mind blowing how many fabulously 
uh, vagrant or uncommon birds in Washington, you sort of showed up on your own. What did you use for a strategy to do that? Uh, is it, you know, kind of, oh, this could show up there, or things could show up here, I want to go there, or is a lot of it just kind of uh, talent and luck? Or how do you attribute finding so many good birds last year? Oh, I, I don't think that, um, I think, I think it's mostly luck. I mean, I, I think, I think it comes down to just being out there a lot and in the right place at the right time. Like if you're out there every single day, you're bound to stumble across something. Whereas if you're just going out once a week, then that subdues your odds. But, um, yeah, I did really, I was, I was, I was really happy with it. Um, Definitely spent a lot of time in a lot of the migrant traps in eastern Washington and had a pretty big focus on Nia Bay as well. Um, but yeah, I got really lucky. There's who aren't from Washington. Uh, you know, the names of things and places might not uh, mean too much. Kind of describe uh, Nia, the the vagrant traps in Washington and, and Nia Bay and why those are, you know, why birds go there. Yeah, so our eastern Washington, like everything east of the Cascades, is basically desert. Uh, like a lot, like most of it's desert. There's some mountains and stuff like that, but it's 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 very dry and very little trees and stuff. So anywhere where there's trees, like in a city park or something like that, immediately concentrates uh, migrating birds. So in fall and spring. Some of the little towns in the more deserty parts of Washington, you know, that, that can be the only trees for 50 miles. So everything in that 50 miles that might be migrating over at night is going to land in those trees. And that's very, very helpful. <laughs> it's a lot easier than sorting through Western Washington, which is all trees. Yeah, for sure. But Western Washington is near Bay. That is true. Yeah. And the rest of the coast, which also proved very useful this year, but or last year. But um. Yeah, Nia Bay is a special, special place. Um, it, it just something about it concentrates everything going down the coast. It just ends up in Nia Bay. Um, the sheer numbers of common migrants can be really, really exciting. Um, but also the amount of vagrants that show up there is spectacular. Yeah, for some reason, it seems to get both eastern birds and southwestern birds i i i can't wrap my brain around the reason for that but it, it seems to be no matter which way they're coming from they end up at nia bay yeah i've always been surprised by how many southwestern birds show up in nia bay um prior years have had like zone-tailed hawk and stuff like that which is ridiculous um but also the amount of siberian things that are coming in and of course eastern things yeah it's just everything from every direction ends up there for one reason or another it is a pretty cool place, Liam. You are uh, you have really come on the scene as a Washington birder. I mean, you, you haven't had that many years to to get there. Uh, tell me your birding story. How did you get interested in birds, and and how did uh, how did you uh, get so darn good so quickly? Yeah. Um, so I've been really interested in nature and stuff from a really young age, really as far as as far back as I can remember. Um, and I say that all started when I was probably five or six and I got really into big predators like big cats and bears and stuff uh, and I was really really into cougars I wanted to see a mountain lion more than anything else so my mom and I would go out looking for mountain lions as ridiculous as that sounds uh, we'd you know drive down forest roads and uh, there's an elk herd that sometimes you know kind of nearish my house and we'd stake those things out waiting for something to happen and of course, nothing ever did happen. I mean, it's it was a long shot. 
But after a few months of that, I kind of got tired of it. <laughs> it was, it's kind I of can't like, believe this that. This isn't going anywhere. <laughs> um, and I'm sure my mom was tired of it too. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous. So I kind of just, you know, once the, once the cat thing wasn't really working out, it kind of opened my eyes to more of what was around me. And I'd always noticed birds. We'd always had bird feeders and, you know, hummingbirds and stuff. But I'd never really paid much attention to them. And that's when I really started paying attention to, you know, the birds around me. So my mom and I started doing more bird-focused outings. Um, we started, you know, prowling around Furston County, around home, looking for stuff. Uh, and my mom knew uh, Bill Twight through work. And Bill's one of our um, better birders in Washington, to that, say the yeah, least. That's, that's an understatement, yeah. Yes, yes, definitely is. Um, really probably one of the better birders on the West Coast. And so my mom was able to introduce us little bit and um bill took me on my first uh, christmas bird count and i'd say that's what really got me hooked on birding and birds was doing that with bill when was that kind of what was that when how long ago was that oh um that would have been i think 2016 okay 2015 or 2016 might have been 2015 but yeah a while ago so Bill, Bill took me on the CBC. Uh, it was the Olympia CBC. I remember we counted the Johnson Point neighborhoods and stuff like that. And I remember Bill found an orchard oriole there, which mm-hmm. was a really, really good bird. Um, still a state review species at the time. I think it was a first county record. Really, really exciting. And that's also what opened my eyes to like, you know, the excitement of birding is not just the common stuff. There's, you know, there, there's always potential for something random. And that hadn't really occurred to me before. So I'd say that's what really hooked me in. From there, it's been downhill. Yeah, or uphill. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. I, I, I'm just teasing you. Yeah, from there, you've uh, made a rapid ascent to become a, a very competent birder. And yeah, I I remember uh, I, I had seen you around, and you know, bird. It's like community birders all know each other to some degree or other. But uh, I think the first time I really got to go birding with you was this past January when we went to Southeast Washington. And and I don't think you had decided to do a big year at that point, had you? No, I hadn't. So um, unlike a lot of people that end up doing a big year, whether it be state or county or country or world or whatever, it usually requires a lot of planning. I didn't really start doing my state big year until mid-February. So I on January 2nd, uh, I... I was birding my local patch here around the Chehalis Valley, Grace Harbor County, and I came across a common crane, which was a second second state record, chased by hundreds of people, stuck around for four months. Really, really exciting. And I think that's what kind of put the idea in my head of a state big year, like, wow, this is a really good start. (laughs) I might not have have another opportunity like this. So bad start. Yeah. Good for you, because uh, I remember when we were uh, on that January trip, you dragged us off to see a barn owl and a couple of things that were, you know, not really on our, you know, look, who cares about a barn owl, you know? But Liam was building his list, even though you, even though you weren't doing a big year, you hadn't seen one yet this year, I think. And uh, you know, we kind of dropped here and there to you know, pick up a few things on the way home. It was, you know, it was pretty good experience. Yeah, between like that early January and mid-February, I was kind of just in a stage of keeping my options open and trying not to close any doors that I didn't need sure. to. So I went and saw the Brambling and Kate Disappointment because I probably would have done that anyways. Uh, cool bird. And went and saw the Whooper Swan, even though I'd seen it last year and stuff like that. Um, just to 
you know, make sure I still had the option in case come spring migration, I was doing, still doing really well. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened. I, I have to say, I have marveled. It sounds like you've managed to stay in high school this whole year. How did that happen? Yeah, well, sometimes I'm not really sure about that either. But um, I've been, I got really lucky in the teacher department. They've all been pretty supportive of it, uh, even if they don't quite understand it fully. High schools nowadays are, you know, really in, like, they like to see extracurriculars. And I'm not sure if they really consider this as that, but it's close enough. So I think they've really, I think they've actually been pretty happy about it. And if I keep, I mean, I'm not a honor roll student, but my grades aren't bad. So I'm not really first priority when it be, when it comes to discipline or anything like that at school or not yet anyways. So yeah. it's kind of just worked out and they've been pretty you know, happy th with there's, it. There's lots of ways to get an education and, uh, yes. and exploring a state in the, in the level of detail you've explored Washington this year is, is an education in and of itself. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell uh, friends, uh, if you really want to know the cool places to go, ask a birder. Yes. Yes. We get everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We've seen, we see some other places too, like sewer treatment ponds and things like well, that. Right. But, but, but we do see some beautiful places uh, with some fabulous, uh, fabulous reasons to be there besides just birding. Certainly. Yeah. And I've seen some very cool places this year. I'm very grateful for it. Who were some of the the? It seemed it seemed to me from sort of following your big year. I think as birders kind of lurk and follow each other all the time. Uh, from following your big year, uh, who were some of the really helpful birders? It seemed like there were some 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 of the, I say young under thirty maybe uh, birders in the state that you spent some serious amounts of time birding with this year. Who were some of your uh, really helpful birding friends? Yeah, I mean, there were a ton of people, and I don't have time to go through them all. That would be multiple podcasts work. But um, I birded with Jacob Miller a lot, and I birded mm -hmm. with him for a few years anyways. But uh, we birded a lot this year, and that was really nice um, since he can drive. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> pretty <laughs> useful. Uh, then he decided to go off to college, which was a bit of a problem for the first month or so, but we figured it out. <laughs> um I birded, uh, I guess, Shep. Um, I birded with Shep a lot, Shep Forp. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we did a few trips up to the Okanagan Highlands, uh, Hearts Pass, stuff like that. Kind of trips my mom wasn't as interested in doing. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I did with Shep, and that was really, really awesome. Um, and then my mom. I did most of my birding with my mom, which was great. Yeah, yeah. And Your she, mom is she an incredibly birding. patient and accommodating uh, helper. Yes, certainly is and she accumulated quite the year list as well so yeah i saw her <laughs> she did yeah. I, she's she's become a very competent birder i i met her what were i was chasing something i don't remember anyway chasing something somewhere and uh uh she, she was uh scouting around for it and she, she's she was all over it she's become very competent yes very very much so more than she gives herself credit for yeah yeah very nice. Uh, so, Liam, you must have done quite a bit of pelagic birding. We're really lucky in the state to have Westport seabirds uh, as a uh, resource for us. They do you know, more than 20 uh, pelagic trips out of Westport every year. And I just saw they, they're posted next year's schedule. So they're they're in it for at least one more year. So that's really good. But uh, uh, how many pelagic trips did you get? And uh, how did you do a pelagic birds? Yeah, so I think I got on about five or six pelagic trips, which definitely stretched my budget a little bit, but I think it was worth it, and I had a great time doing it. Um, 
I did really well on pelagic species, um, and that's one of the main reasons that this year succeeded. My only miss was flesh food shear water, which definitely hurt, but it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah, I think they missed that some years. I mean, right. it's not, yeah. It's not a, it's not a gimme at all. Um, and we ended up with two pretty good um, species that I didn't really, I wasn't really expecting this year, which was uh, short-tailed albatross. Always a possibility, but it was a state bird for me all time and a lifer and all that. So that mm -hmm. was really cool. Um, and Wilson storm petrel, which was definitely not on my radar. Yeah. Um, it's Wilson's is a, yeah, I don't have that in Washington. That's a fabulous uh, option. Short tailed is a great story. I mean, they, uh, I had Bill White on as a guest on the podcast and uh, he kind of went through the whole short tailed albatross story of, you know, how they're endangered on one island in Japan and, and how the, you know, that I, I can't say it all back. Listeners can go back and listen to that if they want to hear the story, but it's a short tail to becoming at least annual here. I, I, I actually got that one trip. It was really pretty cool. So they are really that, that pink bubble gum bill. Oh my word. You know, uh, uh, that's actually a bird. I even knew what I was seeing when I saw it, which on a pelagic trip is good, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's a little hard to see things when your platform of standing on is rocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, short-tailed albatross is an amazing success story, I think. Um, yeah. One of the better ones in ornithology and just a really cool bird. They are a very cool bird. Oh, yeah, seabirds in general are cool. I mean, any bird that only goes to shore to breed and spends its whole life at sea. Uh, yeah, albatrosses, you can sort of understand, that's a great big bird. You can understand how they could survive. But storm petrels, how the heck does a swallow-sized bird live at sea its whole life? Uh, it's just, it seems impossible. But Yeah, it is, it's kind of mind-blowing when you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So you miss flesh footed shearwater. Were there other misses for the year? I mean, every big year birder that I've talked to uh, has, you know, has to have found some, you know, some fabulously uncommon birds, but there's usually one or two things that uh, you sort of figure is going to show up each year, but you know, it doesn't always. So what, what were the misses last year? Yeah. Um, so I had three that really kind of stood out to me as I wouldn't say major misses since they're all not at all. None of them are easy birds, but um, Jeer Falcon was probably my biggest miss last year. And that's a bird that is very easy to miss. And it's a bird that I spent a lot of time on and just was not able to connect with. But that one hurt the most. Um, my other pretty big miss was Northern Hawk Owl, which I gave a pretty big effort on locking mm -hmm. their locking their nesting sites and all that. And I just don't think there were any this year. Yeah, I, I don't think, think they, I know I would be very surprised if they bred in the state this year and somehow slipped under the radar. It would have to be in some pretty remote spots. And the third one is Eastern Phoebe, which I chased two or three of and missed all of them, uh, including my longest chase was a drive to Kalispell Lake, which is about seven or eight hours from home. Yeah. Uh, for an Eastern Phoebe, which we missed. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, passerines like that, uh, you know, sometimes they're a one and done, you know, uh, uh, here today, gone tomorrow, sort of bird. And, and they're just a little tiny bird in a great big place. And it's, it's really oh, yeah, hard to yeah, find, yeah. but at least they talk. So you've got a chance, but still they're not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Eastern Phoebe is usually they stick around in spring. Um, but I guess this one just didn't cause it certainly wasn't there when I was there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that you got, uh, besides birding a fabulous lot in the state of Washington, you managed to get out of the state a couple of times. Uh, one, my youngest guest on the podcast ever was Ryan Rodriguez. Uh, Ryan was 12 years old when I talked to him way, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. I talked to him. Uh, uh, I, I had heard about him uh, from, I spent a month in, in the Rio Grande Valley, the first winter after I retired, I said, I'm going to the Rio Grande Valley for a month. And I spent a month down there and uh, two or three different local uh, birders said, have you met Ryan? I said, no, who's this? And they tell me about this kid. And he's kind of a, even at 12, he was sort of a, uh, a myth, you know, a legend already down there among the older birds that just marvel at uh, how a kid that young could be so good. Uh, and uh, I uh, I looked him up, and and he and his dad and I got together at his dad's law office, uh, and uh, and we talked on the podcast. He, and and then went out birding for a day. I think after that, he's his dad was. You know, he kind of vetted me and made sure I was safe, and off we went. It was, he was uh, quite a quite a phenom. He uh, he learned to read when he was four years old uh, because he was just he was just like bird crazy from the time he could talk, I guess. And so to kind of just you know, pacify him, uh, one summer uh, his dad bought him Big Sibley as a book, and he didn't read. Uh, he's four years old, uh, and by the end of the summer, he had taught himself to read and memorize. <laughs> Birds and big simply as a four-year-old. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, uh, I think it, it portended well for his birding future. How did you uh, meet him? And I, I saw on one of your, somehow on Facebook or something that you had uh, met up with Ryan and got out birding a little bit. Uh, tell me about your trip to the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, so this year was obviously one of the best in history for vagrants down there. Um, Hal Tyrant, Model Owl, resident brown jays for the first time in a long time. Rose-throated Bacard, Roadside Hawk, really just an amazing, amazing winter. So uh, Jason Vassallo, who's a pretty good friend of mine, um, we had birded Nia Bay for a little bit for a little bit this year, um, and we'd been kind of thinking about, you know, doing some more trips together at some point. So I floated the idea to him of going down to the Rio Grande for a while, and it surprisingly it all worked out. So we went down for about three and a half, four days of birding down there. Uh, we had 200 species on the nose or oh. maybe it was 199 it was right right there around 200 um and picked up all the rarities and it was just a blast um yeah i met ryan I, I well i didn't really i hadn't met ryan in person before texas um we'd been facebook friends for a little while so i just reached out to him and was like we're you know hey i'm coming down to texas and you want to go birding so we were able to connect and go birding for a little while um around uh the uh, dam down there, Falcon Dam and yeah. Santa Margarita and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, I, yeah, I love the Rio Grande Valley at all times of year, but especially in the winter, it's great. The festival there is fabulous, and uh, the birding is just yeah, it's really wonderful. But uh, I I had heard what was it like trying to get to the I guess the place that the, the uh, mottled owl and a couple of the other rarities were was. Uh, I, was it what was it private property you had to have a guide to get on what was the story with that yeah it's it's i mean i'm not really qualified to speak on it too much but it's from an outside perspective it seems like it's a little bit of a mess um it's it's guided access only it's a private ranch um oh, okay ryan's one of the guides for there oh, okay. so um yeah of course he is but uh it's Ryan um, and a few other people that are guiding on the ranch or like qualified to guide on the ranch. 
So okay. they take groups out for the model owl and for the brown jays and stuff. Um, yeah, and it's a really I I would highly recommend it. It's a really good trip. It it sounds like a fabulous trip. If I uh, if I had the energy and the interest, I would uh, chase it. I've kind I've kind of yeah, not my thing at this point in time to, yeah. to chase birds like that. But it's uh very 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 cool. I love that area. Uh, I, I I especially love Salonino. Did you get to Salonino? No, we didn't really need to go to Salonino. We got um, the seed eaters and the scopey duck um, at Santa Margarita. So okay. we were kind of running on a really tight schedule. Oh, um, uh, of course. On of course. you know three and a half, four days of birding. So we kind of got all our stuff and left town. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah when I, I'll definitely check it out when I go back at some point. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful place. Uh, it's it's got a great conservation story, and it, it, it's a pretty cool place. Uh, anyway, Liam, what what's going to happen in twenty twenty four for you? Do you have uh, you know, maybe buckle down in school <laughs> or something? I'm just curious. What 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 do you see in the short term future and long term future? What what are your plans? Yeah, so I don't. I mean, I haven't. I don't really have any set plans for twenty twenty four. I have some ideas about stuff I'd like to do or places I'd like to go, but um, I haven't really planned anything i'm definitely interested in doing some more county focused birding and listing in washington state uh, and of course keeping up on my washington state list which just hit 400 last month which was a pretty good milestone for that, me that is a good with. milestone yeah yeah i i can remember when i i've been obviously i've lived in washington now for a long time uh since i was like 30 or so uh and uh, yeah had kids and was working and wasn't a super uh, I, yeah i didn't list and chase particularly but i saw these people at 400 birds in washington and i thought that was just you know unattainable you know for someone of my uh, skill level and uh and uh time constraints and stuff but you know it's amazing how you just get out and get a bird here and get a bird there and yeah it can happen for even uh you know Less talented birders like myself can get out and make that happen. So yeah, it's uh, oh, yeah. setting goals for yourself is fun. Yeah, and I was in the same boat as you with the four hundred thing. I did not think that was a attainable goal at all, really, at least in the short term. So I was, I guess I was expecting it at some point, but I was almost surprised when it happened this year. Well, we yeah, get three hundred and sixty eight in a year. That that's a good chunk of that four hundred. You know, three seventy eight. Yeah, oh, three seventy. Excuse me. Yeah, my misspoke yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no worries. Yeah. That's that's kind of mind-blowing in and of itself anyway yeah county birding is fun uh i i've kind of that's kind of been my thing i i like it because it takes you to different places you know uh th this this uh uh some summer yeah th actually this fall uh i got out to fairy county uh which is you know it's really the colville indian reservation and a couple of little towns it's pretty yeah, much fairy county lot there uh, <laughs> yeah and uh and so I, uh, that was my 39th state with a hundred birds. So I was really happy about that. That, and it was just a great couple of days of birding. It was really fun. So, yeah. Yeah. I county, think Ferry County, county is the oh. only County I haven't birded in Washington really at all. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It, it's a cool, it's a cool County because you, you can kind of bird the County in one loop, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have very many roads. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. <laughs> there's a road, for, there's a road from the Keller Ferry up to Republic. And then there's a road from Republic across, I think it's Washington Pass or and it, uh, Sherman Pass, I think. And it's a pass there, and it takes you to the eastern side of the state. And then there's a road 
down along the river to the Inchelium Ferry, and then there's a dirt road back to the Keller Ferry, and that's pretty <laughs> much the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never really, I guess I've been to Republic, but I haven't ever submitted an Ebert list there. Yeah, Re Republic is fun because it, it takes you down the, what, what's the name, of the, the San Poil River Valley. Yeah, it goes from basically uh, from Republic down to the Columbia River. Uh, and it's just a fabulous riparian habitat with lots of eastern vagrant possibilities. And not even vagrants, just eastern birds that nest there uh, right. that really yeah. don't, not many places in the state, up in Ponderay maybe a little bit, but for, for not many places in Washington can you get several you know, uncommon nesting birds fairly easily. So it's a wonderful place. Yeah, water thrushes and red starts and such. Yeah, yeah bobolinks and uh, and least flycatchers and it's just a bunch of things that are just hard, you know, yeah. hard in most places. So yeah, well you'll you'll uh, you'll enjoy Ferry County when you make it out there. It's a fun place. <laughs> it's definitely not too high on the list of priorities, but I'm sure I'll end up there at some. Yeah, point. it it you know the thing about it that there isn't much in Ferry County that you can't get easier somewhere else. That's the right. thing about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, but it's still a pretty cool place. Anyway, yeah. what are, what counties uh, have you been targeting lately? Have you been doing some, uh, or have you thought about targeting? You've probably been targeting birds here the last year as opposed to counties. Yeah, um, I was able to fit in some county stuff during my big year, but uh, yeah, it was only state focused, obviously. Um, my home county is Thurston County. I live in Olympia, so mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's kind of what I've been birding since I started. So I already had a reasonably good county list there going into the last few years when I've kind of mm -hmm. expanded to a more statewide focused birding. Right. Um, the county that I bird the most is Grace Harbor. Um, so I, I kind of think of that as my home county, even though it isn't. But that's the one that I focus on the most. Um, Clown County, because Bay is pretty hard sure. to avoid. So I've racked up a pretty good clown list and I will keep working on that mm -hmm. and then um my friend jacob who i mentioned earlier lives in mason county which is right. kind of a famously difficult county to get a good county list in so i've really and i've really really enjoyed covering mason county in the past few years as dumb as that may sound since there's again nothing there that you can't get easier elsewhere except maybe mountain quail but um it's actually mm -hmm. really interesting um for eastern washington i enjoy adams county a lot um I've gotten some good stuff there and Okanagan's hard to beat as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you spent much time up in Ponderay? Ponderay County is really fun too in the summer. Yeah. I had to go up there for my big year for red starts and uh, water freshes and stuff like that. These flies, mm -hmm. but um, it's not, it's, it's kind of too far to go chase for County targets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. You just have to, yeah. You have to spend some time up there if you want to go up. It's exactly. Not, yeah, I'm not, not worth like... the trip for a day. It's way too far. It's about as far as you can go in Washington. Yeah. I think it is as far as you can go in Washington. <laughs> yeah. Good. But um, so, it's definitely a cool place. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, it's, it, it reminds me of home. I grew up in Maine and it feels like Maine There's moose there. There's, uh, yeah. you know, the, it just feels like eastern the eastern U.S. Uh, yeah, and, and and if you look at birding range maps, you know mo a lot of the boreal forest species. The, the range map goes across the north central states and goes across much of Canada, and then it just dips down and and for many many species, it just kind of touches that Ponderay County, that northeast tip of Washington, is the part of the eastern boreal forest, even though it's way the heck over here. So it's a it's a unique sort of place for Washington. Yeah, it really, really is. 
It's a, not a biome we really have anywhere else. For sure. So Liam, uh, have you, uh, yeah, you're young and probably hate it when people ask you what you have for career plans. What are your thoughts about, uh, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say far enough away that I haven't thought about it exactly. Mm -hmm. I definitely have some ideas, but it's not, I've, I've kind of had higher priorities the past few years. Um, then thinking about that, like, you know, thinking about college and stuff first, I guess you yeah. have to study something in college, right? But um, for a career, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've thought about going into some of the guiding stuff. Um, I think that'd be really interesting. I'm not sure how practical that is for like any sort of like a full-time job, but I've, I think that's an interesting proposition. Um, I don't know if I really, like a lot of people my age that I'm friends with that are also birders are trying to go into like a, like, you know, field biologist type things. And I'm not really sure that's like, I, 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 that's for me, like I'd enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it a lot, but there's not really any money in that. It's like, it's a tough way to make a living for sure. Yeah. And, and guiding is as well. I just think I'd enjoy that more. Um, so I've only thought about going into like, um, fishing wildlife or something like that. That's mm -hmm. more structured. Yeah. So it sounds like it's good and, and it's nice to, Nice to see somebody who lives in the present instead of living in the future. So I'm really uh, happy that happy for you that you just uh, just uh, I guess carpe carpe diem isn't right. Yours is more carpe carpe anum. <laughs> However you say, seize the year in Latin. I'm not sure. <laughs> good for you. Uh, good for you. Uh, are there are there? Yeah, I try to give guests a chance to uh, give a shout out to anything that's important to them, you know, a, a cause or people they want to thank or, uh, you know, a shout out. Anyone you want to give a shout out to before you wrap up? Definitely my mom. Uh, if I was to give a shout out to anybody and I could give a shout out to a lot of people right now. Um, mm -hmm. But if I had to, you know, kind of keep it brief, it would definitely be my mom. And I could not have done anything that I did this year or in years prior or probably next year without her support which has been unwavering and really really amazing yeah so. she is she is an amazing woman for what i've seen and and yes. from yeah, yeah. Uh, congratulations on uh being born to the right mom <laughs> <laughs> yes i, I feel yeah. blessed by that every day really yeah good for you good for you uh, so liam uh i i, I one other question i ask big ear birders is uh, any advice to who, who's going to break the person who breaks your big ear record and someone will someday i'm sure just the, oh, yeah. the way of life uh what uh, what did uh, do you have any suggestions or advice what 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 did you do you think you did that uh, they could emulate and uh what mistakes did you make yeah um you know i've actually kind of thought a lot about this because i've had people ask me about it some like, you know, I might do a big year next year. What would you, you know, give me for sure. advice? Um, and it's, it's, it's really tough to give a specific thing since every year is just so different. Um, but I'd say don't, don't wait on stuff, assuming it'll stay. Um, or, you know, don't leave somewhere, uh, assuming nothing's going to show up the next day or something like, you know, things, things like that. Don't, don't um don't assume anything that isn't like set in stone because I did that on a few birds and I missed a few birds because of it. So don't don't wait around. <laughs> yeah, I, I a friend of mine said uh, uh, the 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 first rule in chases is go now. 
and the second rule is if you don't go now, don't complain tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's kind of that's what I'm trying to say there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Good. Liam, congratulations again. Such a fabulous year. And uh, it sounds like you uh, escaped unscathed. No car wrecks, no, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no terrible things that can happen when you're racing all over the place. Uh, so uh, drive safely now that you're driving uh, <laughs> and have a great 2024 and beyond. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. I appreciate it, Liam. Take care. Thank you very much, Ed. You as well. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Bird Banner Podcast with Liam Hutchinson. Thanks for listening. As always, I'll put up a blog post on birdbanner.com with the details and links related to the episode. I started this podcast four years ago in January of 2019. I've learned a lot, and I've met a lot of really interesting people, and I'm really loving doing the show. That said, I'm going to take a break from publishing new episodes for a bit. I plan on some travel and feel like this is a, a good time to take my first real hiatus in a four-year run. I'll be back probably in March with some fresh energy and great guests. And until then, thanks for listening and good birding. <laughs>